Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with star of stage and screen Jason Kravitz. Jason is currently starring off-Broadway in the new play from the new group called Sabbath's Theater. Directed by Joe Bonney and written by Ariel Levy and John Turturro, this is an adaptation of the Philip Roth novel of the same name. Turturro co-stars with Jason Kravitz along with the incredible Elizabeth Marvel. The show is currently scheduled to run through December 17th. We spoke last week the day after opening night, so we talk about all of the things that go into getting a new show ready for an audience and opening but especially one that is based on a book that is incredibly thick and incredibly dense, also incredibly filthy, although we don't get too much into that, and how you turn a really long book into a 100-minute play. We also talk about Jason's ongoing cabaret show, Off the Top, in which he does an entirely improvised musical on stage and has some fun secret guests show up as well. As I mentioned, we recorded this episode last week, so it was before the SAG after strike had ended. So while we do talk about his career on screen, we don't get into a lot of specifics because everything was struck and he could not talk about it. But we do kind of get into the fact that Jason has a very, very specific type of character that he ends up getting cast on TV a lot. Now, there's a very good chance that if you have watched any TV or film over the past, I don't know, 30 years, chances are very good that you have seen Jason Kravitz in many, many things. His first breakout role was as an assistant district attorney on the TV show The Practice. And he's consistently done multiple arc runs in various Law and Orders, Smash, The Michael J. Fox Show, Madam Secretary, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Hunters, Be Positive, Halston, and more. But he got his start not only in comedy, but on stage. Aside from the practice, the role that I first knew Jason Kravitz for was as gangster number one in the original Broadway production of The Drowsy Chaperone. And playing gangster number two was his brother Garth Kravitz. And as you all know, I watch a lot of baking shows. And while things like The Great British Bake Off are specifically for amateurs, for the shows where the contestants are professional bakers, anytime that somebody says that they are a pastry chef, I immediately have Jason and Garth in my head saying, We're pastry chefs! We're pastry chefs! We cross our hearts, we're pastry chefs! No fakery! A bakery is what we got! I should have mentioned that in our conversation, but I did not, so perhaps next time. Anyway, so in the show notes, we will have information on where you can purchase tickets to see both Sabbath Theater off-Broadway from the new group and off the top at Chelsea Table and Stage coming up on December 21st. All right. With all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Jason Kravitz. Well, Jason, thank you so much for, for joining me today. The night after Sabbath Theater opened off-Broadway, is there a, a sense of relief once that opening night happens? It, it, all of the, the the hubbub and the adrenaline of the previews and getting ready for that night, does it, is there a weight lifted off your shoulders once the show is officially open? Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, opening night for me is always uh, a bit nerve-wracking um, because I know there are friends and family there and I want to do a good performance if I can and as best a performance as I can. So yeah, it's, it's actually nice to suddenly settle into a, uh, the run. 
This process, I imagine, is pretty exciting because it's a three-person show, so there's a lot for everyone to do. You are playing many, many characters in this show, but also you're playing opposite two titans of, of both stage and screen. What has this been like getting this show ready for an audience and for opening night when it's the three of you and obviously the creative team and Ariel as well? kind of bandying back and forth with a new work based off of a, a novel, but trying to get a world premiere up on its feet. Yeah, being on stage with John Turturro and Elizabeth Marvel isn't intimidating at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't it, imagine. It's uh, It's been a phenomenal experience working with this group. I, I'm, I think we're we're very lucky in that everybody has so much respect for each other that it's been a pretty smooth process when it comes to working as a team, um, especially with John and uh, and Elizabeth and myself. Um, it's been really a dream working with both of them. Uh, plus Joe Bonnie and Ari Levy, they're, they're just so talented. Yeah. Uh, the process has been very different than anything I've ever had to do before, because not only, as you say, is it a, a new piece, it's a new piece based on a 350-page novel, so they're they've been trying to figure out how to dramatize this epic story. I mean, John and Ari have been doing it for years, and then Joe has been involved with it, and and I've done a few readings of it. But the process of of changing and cutting and deciding what stays and what goes in order to t- best tell um, a, a hundred and you know, I don't even know how long it is. It's an hour and forty minute version of. Uh, of uh, of a 350 page novel has been it's been really i think challenging but also exciting and also um creatively really fulfilling um and 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 kind of uh, sometimes it feels like we're doing this by the skin of our teeth anybody who knows the work of philip roth knows that he was not shy about certain topics things that might be um a little boundary pushing and when the press notes for this show calls this philip roth's fearlessly filthy and funny book uh, i can only imagine that that leads to a lot of chaos on stage and with you playing so many different characters and i I don't know if you read reviews there were some wonderful reviews for you uh, that came out talking about not only playing going from playing the straight man in a lot of scenes to playing some very over-the-top characters and some fun characters as well. Does that add a little bit of extra fun and excitement when you do kind of get to go, not just from in terms of the number of characters, but the variety and the breadth of characters that you get to do when you are playing more than one? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Some some actors don't love it as much. I, I love it. I love being able to uh, play a variety of roles. And um, I think all the characters as... Uh, you know, I, I play everything from a you know a, a bum on the subway to a hundred year old man living on the Jersey Shore, and uh, each one of those I felt had to be very distinct, and that was really a great challenge to have as an actor to have just a variety of roles and having to make them vocally and physically different enough that uh, it felt like different actors coming on stage every time. When you are working on each of those characters and developing each one to make them individual and distinct. Where do you start? Uh, obviously, with, with the text, but with your interpretation of what's on the text, do you start physically? Do you start vocally? Uh, how do you start to craft each individual character as a unique and differentiable human being? Um, 
everybody's got a different process. For me, I think I started with the book and, you know, I have a very dog-eared, highlighted, you know, version of the book now where I was kind of looking through and seeing any anything that uh, was relevant to any one of these characters just in their uh, state of mind or their physicality. And there's a lot of clues that Roth gives you. And then for me, it was really, I started to relate it to people that I either knew or that I could uh, recognize from, you know, celebrities or people that are in the news, just, and people I saw on the street, even to kind of see how people move and how people talk. And then I had great help from uh, not only Joe Bonnie, but from Kate Wilson, uh, vocal coach, helping me place where those voices were and then how those characters stand. So I think that the, the voice and the physicality kind of came at the same time, but it was, it usually originated with like studying different people and, and trying to imitate how people move and walk and, and sound. It, when people come and see the show, is there one character that might have a, whether it's a, a, a walk or a posture or something that people, if they, know to look for it might be like oh i recognize recognize that as person x no i i don't think i can i'm not literally imitating anybody it's kind of an amalgam but i do have to say that there's you know the one character that i play in the show which is the hundred year old uh cousin of 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 the main character mickey sabbath when i when I've left the theater, I've had so many people going, that's my uncle, that's my father, that's my grandfather. So I think there's a similarity to a lot of people that I was able to capture with, with that particular character. Yeah. Well, you are currently working with John Turturro as a co-star, as a co-writer of this show, but you have also worked with him uh, as a director, He's as he's directed you. Which one is most intimidating? You said being on stage with him is intimidating. Which one of those three, if you had to differentiate between the three, is the most, I don't know, either intimidating or challenging or uh, or when is he the most challenging, I suppose? You know, intimidating is kind of the wrong word for that because at first it's intimidating. When I first got to rehearsal, yeah. I was like, okay, you got a lot to live up to. But these actors are just genuinely actors, actors, easy to work with and being on stage and 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 knowing that you were all in the moment in those places and and free to work and play and not you know not worry about the other actor um, having problems with what you're doing it was a real gift. I was just really lucky to have the opportunity to work with the two of them in that way. So it, it wasn't as intimidating as that on stage. It's not as intimidating as that. It's that John is he's wearing so many hats at any given time as the writer, as the, uh, you know, uh, in his mind, he, I'm sure, you know, over years, he's seen this come alive in his head. So even though he, he defers to Joe as the director, he, he has ideas about what that would be um, clearly about my character, as well as his character, as well as what's going on. So, you know, the challenging part for him was figuring out what hat to wear at what time and when to take one off and when to put a different one on. For me, it was not hard at all because when John was on stage working with me, he was present and uh, in rehearsals and now on stage there, you really feel like there's a connection going on. And uh, again, it's uh, as a director, John is the same as he is as an actor. There, there's a line that I say in the play that, that Norman, who is Mickey's old friend he hasn't seen in 30 years, um, Norman says to Mickey, 
about Mickey. He says, you've let the whole creature out, haven't you? And it's a very easy line to say because that's what John does as a director, mm-hmm. as a writer, as a as a filmmaker, as an actor. He just puts it all it all out there. And and it's really fun to be part of that, whether you're being directed by it or just participating in any way with him. He really is no holds barred. And uh, that's been exciting all across the board. Throughout your career, you have done so much on screens, large and small, but you do keep coming back to stages. And we'll talk about uh, what you do on the non-necessarily theatrical stage as well here in a minute. But what is it about the footlights of a of a stage, whether it's in New York or somewhere else in the country, that keeps kind of getting you back, even though you are pretty much on every other TV show that airs on any given night of the week? <laughs> Well, let's be clear. We're recording this during a strike, so uh, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> there's as well. a lot of yeah. going on, but I wouldn't even if there was something else going on, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity. Uh, theater is—I mean, people talk about this all the time. You, you can't AI theater. You know, theater is immediate. Mm-hmm. It's communal. You're you're very much in tune with the audience, and the audience is in tune with you. So you're actually sharing an experience all together. It's not just performing for. Um, it's performing with and and um, the fact that that changes night to night is very exciting. I, I still go on stage, even though we've been performing this in previews and now opening. Um, every show is a different experience. Every time I do the same character, whether it's the first time or the 12th time or the 100th time, you you have to be in that place, in that moment in reality with with what the given circumstances are and there's really nothing like it. There's really, you you know, you can perfect something on screen by doing it again and again and again, but there's something about the immediacy of theater that is really uh, unparalleled. Talking about that interaction that stage performers have with an audience that obviously gets ramped up to exponential amounts with your show off the top, which you have done not only around New York city, but around the country and around the world, you do have your next one scheduled for Chelsea table and stage in December on the 21st for people who are unfamiliar with this very different kind of cabaret act. Can you explain what this is? And to be honest with you, like just reading the description makes me nervous for you, even though I know you've done it (laughs) hundreds of times. Like just the concept makes me uh, a, a little antsy, Jason. Of course, and listen. It, it is a uh, it's a, it's quite a, a risky endeavor. I think that's what I like about it, and and panic plays a big part in how in making it work. I think um, off the top is a completely improvised cabaret, and and what that means is that every song, every lyric of every song, the music, the story of you know, it's a typical cabaret, so it's the story of a life in song. It's all made up on the spot based on suggestions the audience writes down ahead of time. And by suggestions, I I don't mean like, can you sing that song from West Side Story? It's, you know, the same same type of improv suggestions you might see it somewhere else, you know, uh, name a place or a thing or uh, the, the last text you received or words to live by. And all those things get written down before the show uh, when you're sitting and having your drinks at Chelsea Table and Stage or wherever. And you, those get put into a fishbowl and that fishbowl is on stage and I will reach into that fishbowl at any given time in the show to come up with the title of the next song or the 
the the the story that I'm about to tell or the anecdote that's made up on the spot, even the character's name is made up on the spot and where they're from. So the character, the the, the person that's performing me, uh, it's not going to be me. It's going to be so you know, John Jacobson from you know Poughkeepsie, and the story of you know John Jacobson from Poughkeepsie and all the songs <laughs> that made him famous. So yeah, it was the first time I did it. It was terrifying and it's still terrifying but uh it really is a communion with the audience in that i'm creating songs that other people suggest the names of so it's kind of thrilling everybody is it's kind of part of the same evening it's it's we're all kind of performing together and i have a fantastic uh trio that backs me up and i always have some fantastic special guests most recently um at joe's club i had uh, f marie abraham i've had richard kind and nelly mckay norm lewis just some fantastic performers and um yet to be named for the 21st of december but but uh, they will be announced soon what skills do people have to have to do something like that whether it's improv comedy or improv storytelling or, or improv songs or whatever. What is it that is different from just the normal traditional actor's toolbox that has to be especially refined to one, be willing to take on a challenge like that, but also to do it well. You you have to have a certain uh, death wish, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you also, you have to have a certain, um, uh, arrogance and delusion to believe that you can pull something like this off <laughs> every time. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think that um, I have uh, always been a musical person. I, I really love music and imitating styles of music. And I have a fascination with the details of what makes a song a song. Uh, and so I did a lot of study and research into that. And I think I just had a knack for rhyming that comes from I don't know, childhood and and being exposed to a lot of comic uh, musicians from uh, uh, Alan Sherman to the Smothers Brothers to, you know, all, all these different performers that that were all doing comic music, Weird Al Yankovic even to that, to that matter. But so I think just studying that and wanting to replicate those kind of comic songs, I learned a lot about music and, and rhyming and and. Uh, and then I think the other thing you have to have is a, I think it's a, a, a kind of a belief in the fact that if you, if you start singing something, you will be able to finish it. And <laughs> sometimes, I mean, most of the time it seems to work, but I do feel like sometimes I'm jumping off a cliff and just trusting that the trampoline is going to be there when I hit the bottom. And, um, uh, it's that's a, a real <laughs> that's that's a learned thing. I, I think you have to practice that to believe it. But every time it's a real it's a real leap off a cliff, certainly. Um, and I think that makes that's what that's what the audience is excited about. Um, you know, when it works really well, um, it's a magic act. It, it, you can't imagine how it happened. And, and the fun part is I can't either. I'm as much the audience as the magician in the show. You know, I go, well, that one, that one really worked out. Hey, I can't believe that came. Where'd that come from? <laughs> so we're all experiencing it at the same time. And that's what's exciting to me. You talk about guests that you've had come and do these shows with you. Obviously, if you're asking them, they are incredible performers in their own right. But has there any been anybody who really blew you away with what they were able to come up with, whether it was 
you just didn't know that they could do this specific thing or there was such an outlandish suggestion that you pulled out of a fishbowl that they were able to run with it in ways that you never could have imagined i think people are always uh people who've done improv before who do my show i'm not surprised by i'm always i i love having a guest on there and i take it very seriously that i don't i don't want them to look foolish or feel um uh scared that they're going to look foolish so i take a lot of the reins myself to make sure that they can do a good performance uh norm lewis knocked it out of the park uh he's you know james eigelhart did the show once and i knew Mm -hmm. he was going to be solid because he does freestyle love supreme and he's a great performer so even though what he did was extraordinary (laughs) i had no doubt that it was going to be extraordinary but Norm hadn't done improv before. Uh, F. Murray Abraham hadn't done improv before, or at least not musical wow. improv as far as I know. And uh, he was just game. He had that kind of like, yeah, why not? Let's do this. And uh, when he came out on stage, I was really wondering what was going to come out of his mouth. But he was brilliant. I, I just can't even tell you how excited it was that he came up with a couple of rhymes that were perfectly placed, perfectly said. And and literally ended the show. <laughs> he had the last line of the entire show that night, and it was perfection. So, it's it's always exciting when you give people who haven't done improv the opportunity and the safety net to be on stage with me uh, and the band. Know that they're gonna they can they can you know try to fly, and that I'll be there to catch them if they can't make it. And seeing how far they go, it's just been great. Moving away from the stage to the screen, and I was somewhat kidding about the fact that you have been on pretty much every TV show that's on TV. And I know there's a strike and we're not going to talk about uh, any of those things specifically, but as you scroll through your, whether it's IMDb or Wikipedia, there, there are some patterns. There's a lot of doctors and a lot of lawyers, which one do you enjoy playing most a doctor or a lawyer? You know, it's funny. I, I, I'm very happy that I have a niche <laughs> at all because television <laughs> really likes to put you in in these niches. And I like the moments where I get to break out of those niches and play other things. But every lawyer, I look back, every lawyer and every doctor I play are very different lawyers and doctors. Yeah. I played I played really inept lawyers. I've played really sharkish lawyers, angry lawyers both DAs and, and defense attorneys. And um, that's been the, the range. And I've done it on comedies and dramas and doctors as well. I've played really sarcastic doctors. I played very angry, serious doctors. Um, and, and there, the range has been really fun for me. I don't like generic doctors. I don't like playing them. I don't like playing generic lawyers. People who just show up and say objection, your honor, are just boring. But <laughs> I've been very lucky to play a real variety of, of those within that within that niche, within that subset. I've been able to play a lot of variety and that's been um that's been really exciting to me. So yeah, bring them on as long as I can be specific with them. I'm I'm happy to play as many doctors and lawyers as you got. That's great. I mean, I I think for many of us, although you had quite a career beforehand, you know, I go back to, you know, the practice, I probably shouldn't mention it, but uh, that one, that first big lawyer show uh, that you were on that I still like that still rings true for me uh, of of when I think about 
your yeah, time was, as a lawyer. That's the one. It was, I, great, I always it was go a back great to. entree for me into into the world of television. I hadn't been doing much before that. I had been in New York and doing sketch comedy and and uh, my own material and commercials and whatever I was like do. There were very little uh, opportunities for me in theater in New York. I'd spent a bunch of time, like six years, um, in my hometown of, of DC, uh, doing theater. And when I moved up here, everything kind of dried up except for commercials and my own material. So when I got to LA and I got the opportunity to audition for David Kelly shows, uh, it was a real lucky break that he wanted to keep writing for me. And, and that particular lawyer that was very Napoleonic, uh, just was a lot of actor meat. I got some great writing to work with, um, with David and, uh, again and again, I've worked when I've worked with David and, and other people, but David specifically, man, he knows how to, he knows how to write those, uh, he knows how to write those dramas and what a, what a privilege it was to be able to talk, to say his words. Yeah. Well, let's swing it back to Sabbath's theater. Uh, I, as, like I said, I think m- many people, especially, you know, the, the theater going crowds in New York, a lot of people are familiar with, with Philip Roth's work, but as you mentioned before, this is a very long, a very, very thick book. I, I have it on uh, audiobook, and I think it's 18 hours to read through. You guys are doing it in an hour and 40 minutes, like you said. So if people are familiar with this book, and obviously there's been a lot of trimming and a lot of focusing of of the stories and the characters, but what's the thing that has remained consistent in this version of that larger story, whether that's the a theme or or a specific idea or, or or anything else from the book that even if there are other things that have been trimmed that this is still at the heart of sabbath theater on stage yeah if you're a fan of roth's work and if you're a fan of this book you'll be you'll be very pleased to to see what was held on to although a lot of little pieces and and episodes had to be um excised but the character of mickey sabbath and his story and his lasciviousness as well as his you know to me the story is about a um, a man who's been hiding his grief for from the age of 14 under this kind of lascivious and antisocial behavior uh until it finally catches up with him and he has to kind of reconcile with a lot of it so that character and his lasciviousness and his uh, love of all things uh, immoral and and uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he he likes making people uncomfortable, and he still mm-hmm. makes people uncomfortable. Um, it's also if you know Roth, where Roth is really funny, especially in those sexual. Uh, extremes that he tends to go to it's actually very funny and that's definitely consistent um so that's another thing that i i think is um the story is well told there and also roth's poetry uh even though this this character is so funny and quick and they're almost you know there's almost set up sketches within the show that are funny there are beautiful moments of prose uh, and and John delivers them beautifully. And I also think the, the other thing that I think remains is um, Beth Marvel's portrayal of Drenka, who is the main um, uh, foil for, for, for Sabbath's indecent behavior. 
Uh, and, she, and Beth plays her with such specificity and grace, uh, incredibly moving performance. So, you know, just for Sabbath's uh, relationship with Dranka alone, this thing will, will not disappoint. Well, I am very much looking forward to seeing it here in a week or so, and I appreciate you talking about it. I have been a Philip Roth fan for a long time, but I haven't read this one. It's been on my shelf, so I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to go see this show, I need to dive into uh, to the book before I see it. And then I picked up the book and realized how thick it was, which is why I got the audiobook to uh, yeah. make that a little easier. <laughs> um, but I'm very much looking forward to it, and I appreciate it, Jason. And we will have information on where people can not only get tickets to see Sabbath Theater, but also at Chelsea Table and Stage on December 21st, the next installment of Off the Top. So congratulations on everything, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the run. Thanks, Matt. I look forward to seeing you. Take care. 